How would you like 500 of the top media companies linking back to your product? Say what? Listen in as today's guest, a sought after business consultant and expert on Amazon tells us how to do just that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And guys, I have a special guest today. Norm Farrar has joined us on the show. Norm, how's it going? Really great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Now, usually we start with the origin story. I like hearing your origin and we are going to get to that. But first, I need the origin story of that amazing beard you have. So like when when did you start growing that? Has that been since you were in, in college or a recent thing or what's going on there? Uh, yeah, that was about grade six. But um, <laughs> you, know, you know what? In Canada, people get this. This started during Movember about three years ago. So, oh, in so Canada, recent, relatively recent. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I never had a, uh, really a beard before, but you know, three, about three years ago, hockey was on playoffs were on and, uh, hockey players don't shave until after the playoffs. And I decided to wait a couple of years before I shaved. Who's your hockey team? Oh, uh, you know what? People are going to hate me, but I live in Toronto. I love Montreal. Oh no. That's almost sacrilegious. To, I know. To have I know. All right. So now let's get to the the real origin story of you. Like, again, for those just tuning in, the reason why I always love doing the origin story of our guest is because the point is I, it's been now 60, 70 episodes. I have not had two guests with anywhere near remotely the same backstory or same origin. And again, this just proves the point that guys, it doesn't matter what your education was, what your you know background is in. People can become entrepreneurs from every background. So Norm, what's your background? Like, did you grow up in Canada, first of all? Yeah, um, started out in Montreal, came down to Toronto. And um, my, I started working with my dad. He had, a, he had a manufacturing company. And basically, we were making <laughs> shoe component parts. But that's where I got my, my start with manufacturing. So I really started to understand the process. And um, then I got into, you know, some promotional marketing. And we were just selling sort of tchotchkes, you know, um, pens, keychains. Was um, this like out of high school or, or? Yeah, it was just out of, it was literally, I, I went to college, I dropped out, I was in film and, and uh, film and radio. And then I, just, I dropped out my last semester. So an opportunity came and it was too good to pass up. So I, I started doing that. And then um, it, it, I, I just, I ended up talking to some guy that had a very successful um, promotions company, but I found out very quickly I couldn't work for anybody, you know, other than my father. Um, and so I left a couple months after that <laughs> and started my own promotions company. And it just, it, it expanded very quickly. We were actually the first publicly traded uh, uh, promotions company in Canada. And then- What is promotions, uh, for those, you know, new, like what does promotions company refer to? We weren't just- Cups and keychains. Usually, people call it the you know the incentive business, um, but at specialty business. But we um, we created something that was really vertically integrated. So we said, okay, look, there's sixteen thousand people selling pens out there or coffee mugs, and they're a big pen and they cost twenty three cents. 
And we knew that the profit margin was roughly, uh, it was 23% at the time gross across the board for these 16,000 people. So how do we beat that? And what we became, what we, what we decided about is to increase perceived value. And I always talk about this on Amazon. I mean, this goes right back 25 years ago uh, about perceiving value. How could I get a 23 cent pen to sell for 40 cents? Or how could I get a t-shirt for $3 to sell for $6 or a hat? And it was all in perception. So if it was packaged nicely or like with t-shirts, for example, we would put a label in the t-shirt um, that had our company in it. We would polybag the t-shirt, put it into a really nice, clean white box with our logo. And then we'd put these fragile stickers on. I mean, when it, when it arrived at the company, they loved it. And so Fortune, five company, Fortune 500 companies loved it because we knew that our quality control was there and that um, that they would get what they needed. So as long as it was you know on time every time, exactly as they ordered it, we could demand our price. And we ended up with bringing that um, margin from 23% up to 43%. But what we did at the time was we decided that we were going to do some uh, vertical integration. So not only do we buy from all these suppliers, we were going to own them. So we bought screening companies, embroidery companies, courier companies, storage companies, and we started doing it all ourselves. Um, which really helped out with the cost. It got me to understand, you know, the, the different businesses in general. And um, I, it really got that sort of serial entrepreneur feeling that, I mean, I've, I'm, I love startups. I want to get into startups. Uh, you know, I don't want to get bored. So I think I just, you know, const- I love being able to go in and help companies grow. So that started. Uh, so it was the promotions company. I ended up um, which is this one's kind of cool. I ended up with a Fortune 500 company who was looking to do a um, a dealer promotion uh, with their their dealer network. So it was a telecommunication Fortune 500 company here in Canada, and they asked me if I could do a um, a website for them back in early 90s, mid 90s. And I had nothing. I had no idea about uh, the internet, but of course, being an entrepreneur, I said, "Ah, oh, yeah, we can handle that." And that was my first uh, kick at the can internet marketing. I, I I learned the hard way, but because we launched that, and we were one of the few companies out there, so many other companies came to us and asked us if we could, you know, do work for them. So, got thrown in the fire, and then ended up with a, a branding company got involved with a specialty manufacturing company. We opened up two factories in China, in Taiwan, and that was a learning experience. Um, had a sourcing company, fulfillment company. And then Amazon kind of came around, you know, a few years ago, and it was like a perfect storm. So if you know, if you knew, especially about perceived value, you, so perceived value is one thing. Negotiating with suppliers was another thing. Putting it into a nice, pretty packaged box, it was another. Getting the logistics done, you know, next step. And then finally getting them to reorder from you again. And, you know, this this experience I had, this life experience just came back. And it was like, ah, this is my my perfect storm. That's how it started. So what year then did you discover Amazon? Probably around 2015. 
I think it's 2015. Okay. So then did you try and, and, and make your own products to sell on Amazon or, or oh, were yeah. you still, I mean, okay. So the, so it wasn't just about a service based business. You're like, Hey, we've got this infrastructure set up because of all these other things we've done, sourcing companies and, and yeah. logistics and things like that. So it's just uh, like you said, a perfect storm or a, a perfect case where you could just jump right in. Right. And one of the, the most important things when starting an Amazon business, no, no matter if it's your first product or your 10,000th product, um, w- one of the things that we made sure that we had in place right off the bat um, were, were SOPs. So everything that we did from day one, you know, right on through even today, if we find something new, we'll turn on the recorder, you know, I'll get uh, one of my assistants to create an SOP. So like just for the, our um, Amazon business right now, we've got about 400 SOPs, 279 for launch and rank for, for launching products. So, wow. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I didn't even realize that that's one of your specialties here. Mm-hmm. So, so at what, I mean, is this, is SOP something that you think Amazon sellers should start from day one, or it's more of a thing where, Hey, let's just wait to see what works and, and let's get a game plan going and see what works and then make the SOP or, or at what point should newer Amazon sellers implement? I mean, I doubt that they could get 279 for launch and rank like you, but I'm sure everybody should have at least, you know, a few major ones. So w- what point of the process should this start? If it's repeatable, regardless, if you think, if you think you're going to repeat the task, then record it. One of the things you want to do with, with um, SOPs is the, the minor stuff, the daily, the daily routine. So if you're coming in and you're spending time messages, feedback, um, uh, reviews, those are easy things to, you know, to get off your plate, just going through and checking the listings and very easy things to get off your plate. What you want to do is you want to take those $10 tasks that are repeat and just record them. You can either just, you know, get Camtasia or, you know, a, a, a product like that and just Press the screen record, go through the process as you do it, and then give it to your um, your VA. Uh, what I it's literally I start with the ten dollar tasks. I see what I'm doing most re- the, the most repeated tasks that I do on a daily basis, weekly, quarterly, annually, and they get done. And what you'll find out, you don't have to do two hundred and seventy nine in a week. I find that you know people have the panic button. You know, once they have to. Uh, put together an SOP, they is they don't know the process, so they get worried that it's taking too long. But all they have to realize is if you do one pro, uh, SOP a week, first of all, you'll be an expert in a couple months, but you're going to have, you know, four, eight, 12, 16 really great processes together, and you'll be able to just farm it out. And like just this week uh, in, in our company, we had one of our key players that ended up in the hospital. Unfortunately, she's well now, but she was, she was taken out. She was a key player. We had things happening that day. And if we didn't have the SOPs in place and there wasn't somebody to be able to pick it up, then we would have had a problem. We would have had a really big problem because we're, you know, we're a date, a, a time sensitive, um, you know, uh, um, there's a, there's deadlines in our business. And uh, it could have been it could have been a killer for us, but somebody was able to step in because we have a process. And th- this is all like Bradley. You know, when you're creating an SOP, 
it's not only for your VAs, but you want to make sure that your VAs have time off. You want to make sure that you can take a holiday. And if you can't do that, like you're checking, I see this all the time. You go on, you know, you go on vacation and you got these people checking their phones all the time, uh, you know, getting upset with the office because they forgot to do something. You shouldn't have to do that. When you go away for a week, the only time you should be notified is if there's an emergency, if there's crisis management. But if there's crisis management, that means there's not the SOP for it. So SOPs allow you to eliminate probably 95% of all crisis management. Wow, that, that's uh, definitely impactful. I think something that more sellers on Amazon and just just anyone in e-commerce or business should have more of. And you know, now at my company, I have a lot of you know departments under me now, and so like I, I've been seeing the value in, in SOPs for sure. Where you know maybe when somebody's just starting out, you're just a one man show. You might not understand the need, but if it's going to be repeatable, it just makes sense because it, it's going to help with the training. And it's going to help when, when, you know, somebody like Norm said is out for a couple of days, your, your whole, that whole section of the business doesn't come to a screeching halt because nobody knows what to do. So that's very valuable information. Yeah. Now, um, are you still selling on Amazon today? Oh yeah. I, you, for me, you can't, you can't be a managed service provider or um, mm. provide any consultation on Amazon if you're not in the game. You have Good to point. know what Amazon's doing. And if they're changing things up or if you're experiencing things for yourself, you've got to be able to pass that information on to your clients. And if you're not, then uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a gamble. So, yeah, uh, yeah, no, we, we have a couple of brands. Um, and then uh, with, with some of the services that we provide, um, we're allowed to kind of experiment, which is kind of fun too. So we've got these larger brands that we play with that allow us to experiment in certain ways uh, with the marketing side of things. So uh, yeah, it's fun. Cool. So like what, what year, you know, since you started on 2015, what year was your peak sales? Like, is this going to be your peak or did you guys have a, a peak in 2017, 2018? It keeps going up. Keeps going up. So, so what, what, last year, approximately how much, how much was your just gross sales oh. for, for Amazon? For Amazon, high, high eight figures. High eight figures. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Now for a company that size or smaller, like what, like, were you, were you able to hit your profit margin? Like, or what should somebody expect? Like when you get higher, like high eight figures, does that mean that you guys are okay with less profit margin or, or is it, did you guys kind of have the same profit goals as if you were just a six figure seller or how does that work? No, I'm not into moving volume and I, I do this with my clients too. So we've got, you know, a bunch of um, high volume clients, but we go after perceived value. And if, if you, if you present the product right, I always like, I, I call it the Brady Bunch effect. If you can take your product, put it in the middle and surround it by your competitors and split test it, basically send it out. You can go to Usability Hub or wherever. And if you can get people to press on your um, item or say that your item is better than the rest, more the majority of the time, then you're great. I mean, it, it goes by Basically, it'll go by the uh, primary image and then it'll go by the title. And we, we, you know, we test that out. And if those two things are good, then it comes down to really it's the, I hate saying this, people are saying it too much now, the customer journey, right? But we, <laughs> yeah. we want 
people when they You're get such that a package, hipster, Norm. My goodness. It, yeah. You know, I got my hat downstairs, too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but if if you've got that package and I, I think about the iPhone packaging where they made it, where it takes 10 seconds to open. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Their packaging company made it where it's anticipation. So it takes 10 seconds to open. So it's really cool. If you could do the same thing, like I've seen it time and time again, where, you know, people were selling okay products. They made some adjustments in their packaging and all of a sudden they're getting way more profit. Like one example, Dead Sea Mud. Dead Sea Mud's an oversaturated yeah. product. It's sold by everybody, uh, lots of people. Um, I've seen it go from $59.99 when I started to, you know, $24.19.99 for a 16-ounce jar. So we had a client that was 100% they wanted to do Dead Sea Mud. I advised against it. They wanted it. And we had to figure a way to, to promote it. So I came up with an idea that we're going to sell instead of 16, we'll sell four ounces and sell it for basically the same price. Took off. Hmm. And it was just because of the packaging. Interesting. What, what are some other things that, that people can do to really improve that perceived value? I mean, talk a little bit more about that whole 10 second with the, I don't, I'm not sure I, that might've gone over the head of some people. It, it actually took me a few seconds to understand what you're talking about, but I, I think I got it now, but sure. what, what's the, what's the psychology behind that? It's the whole customer experience when you're, it goes back to brand. It goes back to Apple's culture. It goes back to everything Apple. So when you get that Apple package, just opening it up and having, it's, it's like Heinz ketchup coming out slow. It's just you, that anticipation. And all of a sudden it's revealed, the product's revealed and it's just packaged perfectly. So you know, I think, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, yeah. You just blew 40 years of my life right now of struggle. I mean, I, I guess kids nowadays don't know about it because they all have these squeeze hues, but the first 30 years of my life was spent with those Heinz glass jars that you could not get it out of and you would have to like stick a butter knife yeah. in. But then the feeling that you got when it finally came out, it was like one of those, oh my God, this is so satisfying. Yes. So you're saying that that's really, Heinz has been psychologically messing with me to like manipulate me to have that cool feeling of such happiness when it finally does come out? You know, it's a physics thing, right? And uh -huh. I'm, I'm sure they could design the bottle differently, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, that whole anticipation campaign came from that. Huh. You just blew my mind right now, Norm. So, so what are some simple things that people could do to take advantage of this perceived value concept here? Okay. So very first thing is if you own an iPhone, does not make you a professional photographer. So- <laughs> you have to get really good images. Um, Even with the iPhone 11? Well, maybe with the iPhone 11, but you got to have really good lighting. You know, you still have okay. to have it. <laughs> but iPhone 11, I don't. But um, other things that you can do is a lot of people, let's just take um, the packaging, for example. We have a company that um, we provide uh, soap to third world countries. And we provide it to um, villages that don't have water. And uh, we've we've tied into a company or a charity that drills and gets fresh water. And then what ends up happening, it was kind of cool because it just started by accident. But people started sending pictures of their kids in this third world country taking washing for the first time with their kids, which was kind of cool. So now we don't we we like in our boxes, you'll see that we provide 
um, a donation card to the charity, but we don't brand it. We don't do anything. We, it's directly over to the charity and they make it all. We, and even on the, on the product, they make a hundred percent. So, um, those are little things that people love because now you're, you know, a good corporate company. Um, you're interested in the environment. You've got safety and you've got trust and your packaging's outstanding. So when somebody else is selling a bar for, you know, $3.99, I'm selling it for $14.99. That's awesome. That, that, that's great advice. I hope everybody was taking notes there. This is something that we've never gone over really here on the, the podcast. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you're listening to this podcast, whether you're on your iPhone 11 or Stitcher, Spotify, you hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode so you don't miss gems like what you just heard right now. Now, let's talk a little bit about your launch strategy. And I have a feeling that this is going to allow us to segue into one of the main reasons why I invited you on it, because you bring some unique strategy that I think probably 99% of sellers would never even think of as part of the launch strategy. So I'm not going to hint at what it is because I'm, I hope it organically comes out here, but (laughs) talk to us about how an eight figure brand like yourself here in 2019 and 2020 what, what, what's our, what are some of the components of your launch strategy? My launch strategy is so simple. So let's take PPC off the table. Lots of people, lots of your guests talk about PPC. So mm-hmm. that's a given. However, this is so simple. I'll tell it like what I do for my launch. And usually when I tell people my launch strategy, the next question is, well, what's your launch strategy? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But anyways, this is how simple. So we, we've changed this over the years. Um, we used to work with, you know, 90% off um, coupons or I hate mm-hmm. to say it, but, you know, at the time it was, it was okay. Incentivized reviews. Mm-hmm. Now it's not, it's taboo, mm-hmm. but we've changed that to, um, we do different type of keyword strategy. Okay. So we, we go and we research on Helium 10, the, um, the keywords, we download them, we bring them into specific sort of silos. And then from that, we target rebates. We do anywhere from um, a 70% to 100% off giveaway, which the yeah. keywords we're using, the URLs that we're using to you, uh, or the keywords that we're using for the rebates are tied in to press releases. And mm. I, I can tell you every campaign that we've been doing is, it, it, every campaign we do is successful. Um, we've worked with a, some, some companies that, you know, decide that they want to change the amount of giveaways. They don't give away enough because they want to save a couple bucks. They don't do the proper keyword research. Um, they might not do it, or you just don't have any sales volume and you expect to th- spend, you expect to sell a thousand units when, you know, you're going to get 25 units. Yeah, that's, that's reality. But the average company or beyond the average company that works with us, um, or it works with this strategy uh, is coming out. And it, it's funny because I've been talking about um, my launch strategy uh, for gosh, a year and a half, probably two years. And I've only had a literally a handful of people that, you know, contact um, yeah, at least the service that we provide and, you know, ask us questions. I mean, we're there to but, answer but wait, questions. Norm. But, but, but what's your launch strategy? No, I'm just playing. But okay, so your launch strategy yep. has to do with, if I understand it correctly, 
PR releases. And just like you just told me, like very few people are even asking questions. They, that probably just goes in one ear and out the other. So I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to ask you, tell me more about like, I mean, when we talk about press releases, I'm thinking like Reuters, you know, December, you know, 30, uh, 23rd, this company was just bought by this company and this is the CEO. I mean, like, that's what I think of when I think about press release. So how does that tie into the Amazon world? How would you like 500 of the top media companies linking back to your product? I'd love that, you know, and for national exposure, you know, maybe it's a hundred bucks, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks, you know, certain press release companies might charge more, but uh, let's, let's go back. So the, the way that we do it and to ensure that it works, we go back and we create basically, I'll call it three spreadsheets, but we call them silos. Um, we look for the, the main buying or primary keyword, and then we look for the long tail to support it. Very simple. So okay. um, the sample or the example that I use is bully sticks. So bully sticks is a, is a buying keyword. Their, their primary um, keywords are like odorless bully sticks would be a great primary long tail keyword. Okay. That would be one okay. column in those three silos. Um, organic bully sticks, uh, grass fed bully sticks. And then what you're doing is you're going in to the search field in Helium 10 and you're going in um, and you're typing in the phrase. Um, well, first of all, I guess I got to go back. In Cebro, you've got to go and figure out your ASINs, your competitors. You, you type in five to seven, maybe more um, uh, competitors. You run it, you get the report. Then you go down and you're taking a look at your top search volume keywords. Then from that, you're extracting them. So let's say organic bully sticks, odorless bully sticks, grass-fed bully sticks are all there. And now what I'm doing is I want to get the long tails from them. So I'm putting them into the exact match um, keyword filter. And so once I do that and I run it, I get, you know, six, 10, 12 long tails. Now I don't have to go and use the giveaways for the organic bully stick, grass-fed bully stick, I use the much lower rebate or more, more much lower re, um, uh, giveaways on the long tails. So let's say, for example, on the grass-fed bully sticks, I'm only using this as an example. I don't know, yeah, yeah. you know, but let's say that grass-fed bully sticks required 500 giveaways. Okay. And you see that. All right. But six inch grass-fed bully sticks or organic grass-fed bully sticks they only require 36 giveaways. So I'll take about anywhere from three to six. I'll go in and I'll create um, a rebate, either, you know, rebate key, um, a rank bell, you know, whatever service that you want to mm -hmm. use. And I'll tie those six keywords into a giveaway campaign. And so what ends up happening is I give away very, very few um, product. But guess what happens? Because organic bully sticks or grass-fed bully sticks is in the keyword that moves up automatically. It, it yep. It's, it's yep. absolutely like magic. And um, so, you know, we'll do that. And then those keywords are tied into the press release. Now, why does the press release work? The press release is, first of all, you're going out, if you have to go to a good press release company, if you're going to a company that's, you know, free, um, 40 bucks, ah, it's going to be crap. 
you need mm-hmm. to you really do need to see the distribution that that press release company has. So if it has Reuters, if it has Yahoo Finance, that's awesome. Um, if you have like ask them, you know, to, to see a list of the, the distribution network, do they have Washington Post? Um, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CB, uh, CNBC, you know, CNN. Great. Um, and what happens is that press release will go out to each of those um, uh, 500 uh, media outlets and they have the choice of whether, whether to pick it up or not. And I can give you an example with uh, like the service that we have, which is very similar to some other higher end services, is that a lot of these places aren't going to give you, un- unless you have improper grammar or you're you're breaking the guidelines it's you're going to get published and you'll be surprised at the type of um uh, press releases that we have on the you know the miami herald you know and you go to the website and it's there so we'll give you a report with you know 400 links that you don't have to go and find them they're there you click on them and you can see exactly what google picked up the the links and you can see that you're being picked up. Now, what's happening is you're embedding a link back in the press release to your Amazon listing. So I usually do between one to three links. I mix it up. So on one press release, I might do three. On second press release, I might do one. But I, I take the first link, my first embedded keyword, I send it back to my, uh, my, my product listing. So what happens? You send it out. So, so are, you, are you saying two-step URL or? Well, you can, uh, we typically are using, we've been using the uh, field ASIN. That's t- and, okay. And okay. that's yeah. typically what we've been using. Um, so then the only one product shows up in, in the search results. So it's not like they have to go searching for your product. Right. Now, okay. if you want to get a little bit more complicated, um, you know, we've been experimenting and doing a lot of work with um, uh, the, the, um, FB Messenger and doing search find buy, but you can also mm-hmm. do that kind of uh, like if if people are doing specific instructions, these rebate companies you can give specific instructions to them as well. If you are yeah. running the Facebook Messenger um, system, so what ends up happening is you've got this link that the first link going back to your your storefront or uh, to your product uh, listing. And you've got the power of 500 major news companies linking to it, which Amazon loves, Google loves. And the other thing that you can do, which nobody is doing, absolutely nobody's doing. I, I haven't heard of it. We're, we're the only people really talking about it, I think, um, is whatever you're writing the press release about, we're writing a 1,500 to 2,500 word really incredible content, uh, um, a blog article that we post on a website. So guess what happens? First link goes back to the store. Second or third link goes over to that article. In the article, we've linked it back to the store. So now they're getting the juice. We're getting the juice. Amazon's getting the juice. Google loves the article because it's education and knowledge base. And all of this is no promotion. You know, you're talking about the benefits, the features, yeah, the ingredients, yeah. um, you know, new hires, uh, website. You're not talking in a promotional language. That'll, you know, that'll get you rejected. Mm. Wow. Guys, uh, I, I hope you guys didn't zone out there. 
because that was very important. And it, like Norm says, this is something that you don't hear anybody really talking about. And outside of Norm, I have never, ever in all my networking heard from people who are using this strategy. But this is something that, you know, he, he uses for his eight figure Amazon business and a lot of his clients as well. So it's something that you guys definitely need to be interested in. Now, before we get going here, a couple of quick questions. I see you a lot at different events around, you know, what's the advantage of, of networking for you? Like why? I mean, I know it's not just so that you can go party with us in the club, but what's the purpose of, of going to, you know, conferences and networking events? If you're talking to somebody who maybe hasn't, hasn't done that yet. Well, I used to, it's funny. I got a message today from a guy that um, I met years ago. He used to work with me and he said, you know, one of the things that you said years ago always stuck with me. He says, uh, one of the things I used to do is I used to stay late. And while everybody went home, I made the last call of the day. And this is like networking. You're putting in that little extra effort and the extra effort pays off because first of all, typically I'm not talking, there is some shop talk, but I'm getting to know people. And, you know, we're, we're all there really, uh, you know, for one, really one goal, but we're there also to have some fun and by able to, by getting out there, meeting people, getting to know them on a different level, then you can reach out to them. They become acquaintances and then they become friends. And that's how you create your network. Like over 30 years, I think I've developed a really incredible network and it's one way. I go to events. I, I talk to people. I ask for their contact information. And one thing I'll never do is I won't call them and say, hey, by the way, you know, here's, here's a free whatever or not a or sorry. Hey, can you help me out? Or, hey, I'm looking like this is my golden rule of, you know, I, I won't do except um, share information with them. So I'll ask people if they need help. Um, I don't want to be that guy. That's, you know, just trying to sponge off of people and people know it. You know, if you are sincere and you go out there, you'll make dollars down the line and it'll come back tenfold. Rather, I mean, if you help somebody out, they remember. Oh, it. yeah, absolutely. That, that's great advice. And that's what I do. I mean, that's 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 the you know, that's what networking is all about. I mean, we've talked we've gone to I don't know how many events uh, and mm -hmm. we've, you know, been together. I don't know. We might've spent 10 minutes talking about press releases and stuff like that. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Uh, guys, uh, I, again, everything that, that Norm is saying is great stuff here, but I can definitely attest uh, personally to this. Now, as you were talking, Norm, my mind works in mysterious <laughs> ways. I literally, what's the word I'm looking for? Brainstorming, I guess. While I was still, you know, I wasn't zoning out. I literally came up with possibly a new segment that I'm going to do starting this episode for all future Serious Sellers podcasts. I don't know how this came to my mind. I haven't done this much, but I was thinking, okay, now I'm, I'm half Filipino. I'm not sure if you know that. I'm sure you've worked with Filipinos before, like in, uh, you know, VAs and, and staff. And, and one way that, you know, my Filipino mother and grandparents, you know, they would get people's attention is, is kind of like this noise they'd make. It would go and that's like to get their attention. So if you spell that out, it's kind of like TST. So I just thought of a new segment here. We're going to have it starting with Norm here. We'll be the first to do a TST, which stands for 30 second tip. So ah. you've just been dropping us 
some great unique tips, but now you are going to be the very first who is going to give us a a 30 second tip that you think, you know, can be about anything that you think is pretty unique, but very helpful. So boom, no pressure that you're the first one to do this segment, but oh here we go. Oh my gosh. Okay. For me, 30 second tip is because I'm on w- working with press releases, get a press release, create a blog article, make sure that the blog or the press release links to the blog article and make sure that it's a 1,500 to 2,500 word blog article. If you're looking for something else on perceived value, one of the, the, the things I've, I've talked before about, I think on um, the, the other podcast with Manny, um, was handwritten notes. They go a mile. They cost a penny to do. You get them done in China. They're generic. You get them sit, shipped over, do 20,000 at a time, and then they can just go into your containers as you go. It's just a personal note that you can send out. All right. Thank you for having our first, I hope that our okay first 30 first. second tip, TST. <laughs> all right. Now I got to wipe off my microphone here from spitting all over it. But anyways, Norm, thank you so much for the value and knowledge that you brought here. If people want to ask you more questions or see possibly about contacting you in order to run a, a press release for them, how can they find you on the interwebs? They can go to prreach.com or they can just email me at norm at prreach.com. And, you know, if it's okay with you, um, I could even provide a, uh, a discount um, so people can try them so they can see, you know, what they're all about. Sure. We like discounts. Yeah, perfect. Okay. I'll uh, get you a link. Okay. So we'll, we'll guys, we'll have a link if possible. But if not, if you don't know where that link is or if you can't find it, if you're just listening to this in your car, please don't get in an accident trying to find the link. Just just give Norm an email and, and he can hook you up to say you found out about it from the Serious Slaughters podcast. So Norm, thank you and your amazing beard for joining us today. And I look forward to hanging out with you at the next conference.